everyone, and welcome to Aval Cafe. My name is Brian Hosler. I'm the founder of Stormroots Consulting based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Carolyn Kamen. Hi, everyone. I'm also an independent evaluation consultant working out of Vancouver, BC. This podcast is an informal chat on evaluation topics, the kind you might overhear at your favorite coffee shop if your favorite coffee shop were frequented by evaluators. This podcast is for everyone. If you're an expert or a novice, long-time practitioner, or just starting the field, or even if you don't identify as an evaluator, as long as you have an interest in evaluation, this podcast is for you. So for this week's topic, we're going to be talking about participation and engagement and evaluation. And originally when we talked about this topic, um, both of us were really excited to talk about participation and evaluation because both of us are really interested in participatory evaluation and both of us thought that the other person was an expert in participatory evaluation and it turned out that neither of us is. Um, and actually it's something where we're both really interested in it but have a lot of questions about what really is participatory evaluation and how do we get people participating and engaged in our evaluation. So that's what this uh, episode is going to be about. The two evaluators sort of working our way through the muck and mire of like this whole area of participation and engagement and evaluation. Um, so Brian, why don't you start off with like your perspective on participatory evaluation and, and how you've worked that into your practice? Yeah, um, I think uh, just as an external evaluator, someone who comes in and works with an organization, um, there's always a case of just trying to figure out and work with uh, the client organization is trying to figure out what are you trying to learn like an evaluation is always about trying to uh, trying to figure something out it's maybe seeing how well a program is running uh, where there are areas for improvement so there's always having to be some kind of dialogue or conversation um, with the staff with the, the management the leadership the organization to figure out why are we doing this evaluation um, at the same time though uh, more participatory or engagement efforts and evaluation can kind of really grow from that purpose to expanding and including um, participants' voice really throughout the whole uh, lifespan of an evaluation from coming up with the questions to collecting data to like making sense of that data. So, um, I mean, the traditional view of an evaluator is someone who kind of parachutes in, collects some data, um, takes off again, and then doesn't, you know, do anything, like you just get a report mailed to you four to six weeks later. And I think neither of us, uh, Carolyn, are really of that kind of vein of evaluation, but there's still kind of a large, um, a large spectrum between, yeah, being that kind of external parachute-in consultant and more broadly um, having them involved with every step of the way. So, yeah, um, I think there's, and we talked about this a bit earlier, um, there's a bit of an ideal of really having a lot of participation involved, uh, but then trying to figure it out in practice. So um, do you want to take the ball on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where it comes down to, for me, is this idea of this spectrum of participation um, mm -hmm. from, like, zero to, like, maximum beyond participation into, like, full-on empowerment evaluation. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, just to, to step back a second, there's this really great um, infographic that was produced by Chris Lissy, and we'll link this in our show notes, that I kind of go back to to help remind me of okay what's the difference between like collaborative evaluation and participatory evaluation and um, empowerment evaluation because those are three terms that I kind of hear a lot and it took me a while to fully understand like okay what where are the distinctions there but I really like this one uh, infographic the idea of collaborative 
is that you have uh, an evaluator kind of leading the way, but with you know having stakeholders being part of that process and you're sort of working together, but it's really still the evaluator who's leading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then participatory evaluation, you have an evaluator and the stakeholders who are going to be participating all on the same level. They're sort of co-leading together. And then at the far end of the spectrum, you have empowerment evaluation, in which case the stakeholders themselves are leading the evaluation and the evaluator is just one member of that team, not, not in charge, not leading. And I feel like by that set of definitions, I don't even feel like I've ever been able to do true participatory evaluation. I have tried, and I've certainly Mm -hmm. had evaluations where we had a high level of engagement and participation, but I would still definitely classify it as collaborative because in every case, there was an assumption, not just on, not on my part, but on the part of the people I was working with, that I was there to lead them through the evaluation process. And there wasn't really uh, a space to renegotiate that. That's not what was wanted. And we didn't have the resources or the funding or the time or the infrastructure to say, hey, maybe we need to turn that on its head. So while I feel like, you know, participation and engagement are always real priorities for me, because as an evaluator, I don't want to do this alone. I don't want to be the one saying, this is definitely what's happening and this is the best way to do this, because I feel like I don't have all of the, the the local expertise to know that. I would much rather be working with the stakeholders um, than mm-hmm. telling the stakeholders what to do. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of challenges to making that actually happen. It's something that I think everyone has to be on board with. You can't force people to participate if that's not what their interest is. Yeah, definitely. And I think I'm, yeah, work from a similar kind of uh, perspective or philosophy, and I think that maybe the challenge for using uh, more participatory or more engaging approaches can be this often some technical things. How do you work with different populations? Uh, but there's also kind of a philosophical um, difference that can come across at times. That what's what's the purpose of the evaluation? What's the role of the evaluator? If you see the evaluator as this external expert who is completely objective and um, you know, is going to come in and say definitively, you know, this is how the program's run or this is what the program's accomplished, then you wouldn't want to have engagement or participation that way. But if you see the evaluation as being part of a process, which I think both of us do, um, then it makes sense to say, well, we're not an expert in low-income housing, housing or we're not an expert in the experiences of queer youth or whoever you're working with. And that's where the, the benefits of engaging with, um, with staff, with program participants really kind of comes to the forefront. Yeah, because I mean, I see evaluators, we're experts in evaluation methods and techniques and that process, but we're not the content experts. And that's the, the approach that I always take. Um, yeah. Have you ever had like something you consider a success in terms of really good engagement or participation, even if it didn't quite meet the level of participatory evaluation? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Usually the, the failures come to mind a bit more easily, <laughs> which is the downside, I guess. But uh, well, let's take an appreciative inquiry approach and focus on the positive. <laughs> appreciative inquiry, yes. Um, I'm going to turn it back on to you because I not come, none come to mind right away. So uh, what are some of your success stories? Uh, I do think I've had some success stories. Um, uh, I've 
don't think I've ever had a success story in terms of engaging program beneficiaries. And that's an area I would like to work on. I think I've really struggled with, even in times where we, where we intended and planned to do that, really having trouble bringing you know, people from the wider community in. Where I've had a lot of success with engagement and participation, though, has been with the frontline staff and the, ser- the direct service providers. Um, I wrote a whole blog post on this at one point uh, and presented it at a CES conference as well on why I think engaging frontline staff is really, at least it's been very important to my evaluations. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, where the collaboration has been the most has been on um, things like defining a program logic model and a theory of change based on what's actually happening in the field on, and as well as you know what was idealized to happen in the field. Right. Um, because frontline staff, I mean, they're the ones who are delivering the program. They know best what's really happening, as well as things like de- developing data collection instruments, especially yeah. when they're going to be the ones who are doing the data collection um, and getting lots of really involved feedback on how they feel about the process, how they feel about their services, uh, what they think is going on, um, and then being able to not engage them so much in creating the deliverables, but creating deliverables that, that will work for them and finding out, okay, well, what, what do you need uh, from a report? What information is going to be valuable to you or is going to help you feel like this has been a worthwhile process? Right. Um, and I've had a couple of experiences like that. And, and it's just been about um, building that into the evaluation design to have the time to sit down with people and building trusting relationships mm-hmm. and being really sort of honest and upfront with people about what's happening, demystifying evaluation, um, and really listening to and incorporating feedback. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that for me has been my biggest success is when I've had really engaged evaluation. Again, doesn't rise to the level of co-evaluation or participatory mm-hmm. evaluation, but I would love to take something like that further and do some co-evaluation. The biggest challenge being, especially with frontline staff, is time. Right. I mean, that's one of, for me, like the biggest issues with trying to do like a co-led evaluation is that a lot of people, they already have a job. They don't want to do the evaluation job. They want the evaluator to do the evaluation job. What also are we paying you for? You know, that's, that's what, you're, what you're coming in for, right? <laughs> you don't get to come in and we pay you to tell us to do it, do your job for you. So <laughs> yeah, but I think I've had that kind of experience as well in uh, terms of being able to work with uh, frontline staff, like you said. Um, actually, yeah, the one example that comes to mind is I was working more in an internal evaluator position uh, on a developmental kind of project. And as part of that, I decided I'm just going to sit down individually one-on-one for coffee with every other member of the team and just kind of get to know from them directly. Um, and it wasn't, an interview, it wasn't a formal interview. I wasn't tape recording or anything, but just kind of really getting to know them and understanding what their position is on the team and what they're doing and what they're seeing. Uh, participating in staff meetings, that kind of thing. Um, At the same time, uh, another maybe benefit of that kind of engagement with staff is that, uh, I mean, the the current environment we're in for nonprofit funding um, tends to be there's, it's usually not good. It's it's not good necessarily today either. Um, Evaluation can seem threatening for frontline staff. They may be worried that they're going to be blamed if the program didn't turn out as anticipated or maybe uh, if the evaluation isn't good, the program's going to lose funding. So um, if you just come in that kind of parachute uh, stereotype in an evaluator, they might think, you know, what are they collecting this data for? Is it, is it going to be used to um, against our program or against me personally? But if you start kind of building that 
relationship and rapport with uh, with the frontline staff, that's going to be more likely for them to see, okay, no, it's not for this reason. It's to actually help the program and to improve things. Yeah, I've had, I've had that too, and I've really seen sort of increased buy-in. Um, and I think probably increased utilization as a result of it because people aren't so threatened and because they have an understanding of where all of that came from. And I feel like that's one of the goals of participatory evaluation, that if people yeah. understand, you know, what the process has been and what this evaluation is about and how it's meant to be used and it doesn't feel threatening and they feel like they've had input and involvement, that they're more likely to, for that evaluation, have a positive uh, impact on, on what happens in the program. So I feel like even if maybe if we even haven't done like proper co-led participatory evaluation, maybe we're right. still getting some of those benefits. Yeah, I think it's just, um, and I was just thinking about the next question being just around methods or approaches to use um, when trying to increase participation or engagement. And I think we kind of already hit on it just in terms of like, you know, having good communication, good uh, conversations with people and, you know, not being this robotic uh, impersonal evaluator, but coming in and actually saying like, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a real person too. We, I, I, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, you can have a conversation with me. Um, exactly. Actually, when you bring up methods, that for me, um, I've had a really great week because I got to spend the whole week going around to a bunch of different events and workshops um, that all, even though none of them were about evaluation, um, all of them for me kind of fed back into this idea of participation and evaluation. And one of what I went to some workshops that were hosted by a, a social design studio here in Vancouver called In With Forward. And I also spent all of yesterday at a forum, Rethinking the Region, that was put on by the City of Vancouver City Planning Commission and the Simon Fraser University Urban Studies Program that was mm -hmm. about the participation of citizen advisory boards in, in uh, local governance. Um, so and there's a whole keynote on um, infrastructure, civic infrastructure for participatory governance um, that was awesome. <laughs> and the whole thing was about how to get people engaged and participating, uh, and I mean, whether it's you know governance or evaluation, I think a lot of the same principles apply. One of the big themes that came out was if you want people to participate in what you're doing, you have to design for mm. their inclusion. You have to look at, okay, what are the reasons people might want to come? Maybe they want to come because we're going to offer food. Maybe we're going to offer honorariums because people's time is valuable. Maybe we're going to promise them a change that they're really invested in and a chance to have uh, meaningful input on that. So we're going to incentivize them to come. We're also right. going to remove barriers for them to come. We're going to, you know, if there are potential language barriers, we're going to make sure there's translation. If we were asking people to come and do something outside of work hours, we're going to make sure there's childcare. For the physical infrastructure, we're going to make sure we're taking people to a place that's accessible, uh, that's affordable to, to get to, uh, that will be comfortable to sit in. Um, if we want to get an even bigger community involved, we're going to put some digital infrastructure in. We're going to make sure that we have an accessible website or that we're using social media or finding other ways for people to participate without having to leave their homes necessarily. We're going to make sure that they have the skills and the capacity to participate. You have to think about all of these things that people need um, in order to participate to make sure that they are able to. Um, and right. there's this whole field of uh, participatory design and co-designing that I think as evaluators we can look to um, 
and say, okay, well, what, what do people do to get someone involved in a design process? And how do we use that information in a design process? And we can use pretty much all of that in evaluation as well. And I have one resource that I want to share. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, Participedia is a resource I learned about just yesterday from this forum, um, which is a methods database, essentially, for uh, increasing political participation but I looked at these methods and they're very much transferable to research and evaluation. It's all about getting people in a room and getting them, getting input from them, getting data from them, but also getting them to participate in decision-making, identifying priorities, coming up with solutions and things like that. Uh, and a lot of it reminded me of the participatory sense-making or data parties um, that uh, Kylie Hutchinson and Corey Newhouse lead workshops on, which I've taken one of those workshops and really great. And I'll put a link to that in our show notes as well. So there's, there's a whole bunch of neat resources out there for how to bring participation in, into evaluation. I think a lot of it is just about being really mindful and thoughtful and intentional about what you want, what kind of participation do you want and from who and what the role is going to be and what you're asking, and then making sure that you build a an infrastructure for that that's going to make it possible for people to to participate definitely yep and uh i'm a huge like urban design urban planning nerd even though i've never taken a course or any kind of thing like that so it's i'm glad to see that uh that you're able to attend that uh that conference it sounds like it was a really great opportunity some of those workshops and that um and yeah like those methods definitely sound very uh, transferable to to our work because i think at the end of the day, a lot of the, we may call it evaluation versus planning, but there's a lot of the same kind of elements, a lot of the same purposes underlying both of them. Um, one thing that came to my mind when you're talking about that is, and this is maybe more getting into the uh, more formal definitions of participatory or collaborative evaluation, is really the need to, to connect with people right from the beginning and to say, um, yeah, like, you know, we're talk you're talking about these different um, uh, accessibility features or um, you know, time of day or child caring, um, transportation, what have you. Um, and how do we know those things if we're not one of the members of that group? If we're working with low-income residents of a certain neighborhood, for example, we may not know ourselves what's a convenient location or when's a good time of day for those who are working shift work or um, do they need child care or not. Uh, and maybe the staff of the organization that we're working with may know a little bit, but then if we have some folks involved who are from the community right from the get-go to say, you know, what's a good way to ask this question? When's a good time to bring people together? How do we introduce ourselves so that people feel like they can trust us? I think that's kind of uh, where you start going from just, yeah, using certain methods to kind of saying we're designing the evaluation right from the get-go all the way to the end with some sort of input or involvement from those who are going to be affected. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that really underscores the point. Um, and that's maybe my main takeaway from this whole thing is that you can't do participatory evaluation off the cuff. You really mm. have to be very intentional about it. You have to plan it. You have to want it. Everyone has to be on board with the idea that you're going to be involving people um, and, and evaluation timelines and budgets have to reflect mm -hmm. that too. Yeah, so that's my big takeaway from this. Yeah, and I mean, I think some of the, the methods themselves may not require a lot in terms of budgets or time themselves, but I think just in terms of learning from, um, from those who are going to be participating or that you're collaborating with or empowering, um, 
I'm thinking about some, there's been some good research recently just around uh, doing more community-based participatory research. That's a common term in kind of the, uh, the intersection of academia and on the ground community work. Um, but saying that, you know, it's, it's um, uh, you need to build that trust. A lot of uh, residents of low-income neighborhoods, for example, have been over-researched. They've been asked too many times to participate in research and evaluation they may see is kind of being a similar thing. So then if you come up to them and hand them a survey or ask them to participate in the focus group, they say, what's different about this than the last five times that I was asked to participate in a research study or something? Um, and maybe the kind of the, on the other end of the evaluation um, kind of timeline from planning is the implementation of the evaluation results. They may say, yeah, you know, I participated in this and I didn't see any difference at all. I don't see any difference in my community. I, um, I don't see any difference personally. So um, why bother participating at all? That's so true. I think that's a great place maybe to uh, end this conversation um, mm. that, you know, participatory evaluation is really great, but you have to see it through and you have to make sure that you're not wasting people's time. Definitely. Okay, that's it for this episode of Eval Cafe. Thank you to all our listeners. Please check out the rest of our episodes on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, or Google Play, or by going through our website, evalcafe.wordpress.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Eval Cafe. And if you want to drop us a line, you can find us at evalcafe.podcast.gmail.com. Musical credits go to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for Poppers and Prosecco, our intro theme, and Dispersion Relation, our outro, as well as to Tim at tabletopaudio.com for the lively cafe ambiance in our intro.